winged forever foes battle until they become forever friends. It's Godzilla versus Mothra. so beautiful <laughs> we are the cosmos <laughs> we are the cosmos <laughs> we are the eyes of the universe perceiving ourselves for a moment oh i'm so glad i made you do that yeah yeah that was amazing <laughs> not what i expected to do to start this episode but we are the monsters versus men podcast and i'm still trying my best to stay alive <laughs> alex how about you yeah, I'm doing pretty well. Doing pretty well, especially after that uh, rejuvenating and mystical theme song. Oh, yeah. I am spiritually enlivened, Alex. <laughs> you certainly sound like you got a little more pep in your step. You definitely have some pep in your step oh, this evening. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> well, I think we have plenty to talk about. So, you want to jump right in? I'm ready to go. All right. So, here we go. Despite being made almost 30 years after 1964's Mothra vs. Godzilla, Takawa Akawara's 1992 Godzilla vs. Mothra features some of the same themes and elements of its original. A large monsoon washes a large egg ashore. A corporation attempts to exploit said egg. And the miniature twins from Infant Island, a.k.a. Cosmos, sing that same theme that reveres its source while haunting its listeners. But as we asked last week, Alex, in Godzilla versus Mothra, do the fantasy elements bother you? <laughs> uh, actually, almost surprisingly, the fantasy elements didn't bother me at all. Uh, maybe it's because we've like been so off the wall since Godzilla versus Mothra. Now that we've finally come back around, fantasy elements aren't really that much of a stretch anymore. And I kind of... I hate to say this, but the theme's growing on me. Like, I was really enjoying it this time around. I wasn't rolling my eyes. I was, like, getting into it. Well, you have, like, it starts, it's pretty understated when it starts, you know, and there's actually, like, an orchestral theme of of the Mothra theme. And it's, it's really, it's pretty subtle at first, and it kind of builds as the film progresses. So I'm glad you're digging it now, Alex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm into it now. The interesting thing about this is, like, We've been seeing all these weird things so far, especially in the Hisai era. We get like, Hisai. we've gotten classic Return of Gods. Like the Return of Godzilla is like kind of classic Godzilla. Then we get hybrids and Biollante. Then we get time travel, and now we're getting a fantasy story. And I'm kind of okay with it. Like it's it's kind of odd, but it makes the series fun and unpredictable. And this one's pretty unpredictable. Uh, we get our first real attempt at comedy for the first half of the film, uh, especially in the Hasai era. And especially with uh, Tukuya and Kenji, they both provide like some pretty s- solid comedy. Like not They're not all hits, but there, there are several that do hit and made me laugh pretty good. And we get these cool like Indiana Jones kind of vibes through the first uh, half as well, which is something I wish persisted throughout the film. Overall, though, I thought that the movie was pretty solid. And yes, the human characters are kind of thrown away once Mothra cocoons herself. But I actually enjoyed it. And especially our new addition to the Godzilla roster, Batra. 
but what did you think about all that? Well, so right from the beginning of this film, we get a different vibe. And I wasn't surprised about that vibe, considering we get a new director. Um, but Akawara here definitely brings a vibe that's different to the Heisei era. Um, I texted you, Alex, and you mentioned it just a few seconds ago, that this definitely has the Indiana Jones vibe from the beginning. <laughs> you know, I said last week Godzilla versus King Ghidorah kind of had those Terminator feelings going for it. Yeah. This was definitely Indiana Jones. Um, and I, I like that. You know, I like that vibe, uh, especially for a Mothra film, because it does call back to the source material. And honestly, the humor, most of it works for me. Uh, I don't, unfortunately, I don't think it sustains that tone throughout. And the humor really dissipates as the film progresses. Mm -hmm. But one moment, Alex, that I did find funny uh, was when Murata, he's the company man. He wakes up to the alarm in the jungle. And one, it was just hilarious that he had an alarm in the jungle. <laughs> and two, he wakes up like he has just m missed something super important that he needs to be doing. You know, yeah, it's just a silly jab at businessmen that I really enjoyed. And it sounds like you enjoyed the humor here as well, Alex. Um, unfortunately, when it came to what is this film trying to say, I don't think we got far enough away from the source material to say anything new or especially interesting. Um, yeah. I think you might feel a little bit more favorable towards it than I do. Uh, and maybe that revolved around Batra, our new monster. How'd you feel about Batra, Alex? Well, I really liked Batra, but kind of going back towards your, your theme for just a second, we're, uh, if we're comparing it to 1962 Mothra vs. Godzilla, then I think it, especially message-wise, it's definitely an inferior product. Mostly because we don't have a character that is constantly eating eggs. I think that's the biggest thing missing from this film. <laughs> but, but, uh, but Batra, but back to Batra, the, the, the bigger budget fixes one of my biggest complaints with Mothra vs. Godzilla, and that's the final battle, which I, I, I'm a vocal opponent to Mothra vs. Godzilla's horrible final battle i really think it it hurts the movie for me even though the rest of the film really is stellar uh and this one is just it's more solid it's got mothra and, and batra feel like formidable foes and i really like the set piece on the island where they had that big final battle with that one tall building looming in the background and that nice awesome mm -hmm. ferris wheel uh that mm -hmm. that we get we see some interesting use of later on it's almost like we got a remake with a little bit of an addition in this film. While it didn't really add a whole lot of substance, I, I did enjoy the final battle. But the, again, we get the greedy capitalist, which is fine. It's been a while since we've had a greedy, greedy capitalist. <laughs> but we do, in exchange, get some like really interesting characters. Something that I've really enjoyed about the Heisei era. I feel like, in general, we've gotten more rounded to characters. Takuya is kind of like an embodiment of that. He seems like this goofy, nice guy who is uh, doing a little bit of Indiana Jones action. We don't really understand the extent. Hang on. My dog just almost ripped off my computer. I wonder if when I edit this, if I'll be able to hear myself scrambling to try to keep my computer and microphone on the table. Yeah, back to uh, Takuya feels like the embodiment of that. He seems like this goofy, nice guy who we don't really know his motivations when he's stealing during his uh, Indiana Jones portion, but it turns out that he is a bit of a thief and maybe not really like the greatest guy. He's not paying child support. You know, he's not a great guy, but then he turns good and then he turns bad and then he turns good again. 
when <laughs> when his daughter calls him out after trying to sell the cosmos for a profit. And then he's a good guy again, really realizing that, you know, maybe he should be better for his daughter. All it took really was the minor destruction of a city and he's better for it. I think that the characters are like pretty solid overall, even though I did mention earlier, they get short shrift, especially at the end of the movie. But the monsters are really kind of what sell the movie for me because I don't feel like we get a complete product with the humans. So like Batra, the design's really cool, especially the larva form. I think it feels more impressive, maybe because we're comparing it to Turd Mothra. And so it's not really much of a comparison, but I also like its evolved form when it, it gets its wings. And it's just really cool. I like the design. It has all these sharp angles compared to all the yeah. smooth, like round edges that Mothra have. It's this nice juxtaposition, just like in a general design philosophy between the two the two creatures. And I'm sure, I know you like Godzilla's design because it's become a pretty solid staple at this point. It's not changing much, but what'd you think about the moth equivalent of a yin and yang? Yeah, no, I, I like that. Um, and yeah, the Godzilla design, it hasn't changed much in the last couple of films. I, it did feel honestly to me in the water scenes, it actually felt a little bit more plastic for some reason. Oh, really? It has. I don't know if it was the camera, but it felt a little bit more plastic to me in this one versus the last one. Um, and so, yeah, I'm with you. I've never been enthralled by Larva Mothra, but I thought the Larva Batra was actually cooler than the winged Batra, the evolved Batra. Um, yeah. Larva Batra just feels gigantic. Its colors are intimidating. It shoots lasers from its <laughs> eyes like Ghidorah. <laughs> you know, like it's like got these powerful lasers. And it's like almost from its like horn thing. Yeah. You know? It's like lasers are coming from everywhere. From yeah. This thing. He's What's got not la- to like? lasers out his butt, lasers out his horn. <laughs> <laughs> What's not to like about Batra? Yeah. But you mentioned greedy capitalists before. And just real quick, quick point. Um, I think the, the greedy capitalist obviously is embodied in Takeshi Tomokane. He's the president of the Marutomo company. Um, just compare that character. I think this is a good way to kind of look at some of the films that I've enjoyed so far of the Heisei era is look at that character and compare that character to another capitalist that we saw in Godzilla versus King Ghidorah, Alex Shindo, mm-hmm. right? Shindo really was this round character who, despite his capitalistic leanings also had sentimentality um, and feeling and, an all-around human character. Here, um, it's like Tomokane. He's he's kind of the the Mister Taco type of character. Yes, <laughs> you know from King Kong versus Godzilla. Except, whereas Mister Taco played this definitive role of comedy, um, and he was supposed to be a caricature. Here in this film, when we get away from those comedic elements, we don't get away from the caricatures, and that was one of the issues that I had. Um, but another issue I had is I just didn't think this, this film got too far. I didn't think it got far enough away from the source material to say something, especially interesting. I do like the spiritual element and we get it pretty much from the beginning. Um, and it did remind me of the original and it starts in the cave when we get that sun shining in through that cross looking cave cutout huh, yeah. and onto the mural of the cave wall. It's evocative. 
even though it's a little heavy handed, unfortunately, I don't think the film does much else with that, uh, with that thread. In fact, you know, I could go on a potential rant here, <laughs> like I've done before, about the implicit themes of this one, specifically some of the some of the references to the Earth life force um, and how it potentially favors some over others. Yeah, I just found kind of I, I don't know. It didn't sit well with me. Now, listen, I I don't care whether you believe in God, the Earth life force, Source, Satan, whatever right? But harmful theology, in my opinion, it begins by believing in an omnipotent being uh, or force or source that favors the privileged few over the masses, despite whatever harmful actions the masses have done, right? Hmm. Um, Now, potentially, I can see that, you know, the argument that the force referred to in this film is just a natural phenomenon caused by the actions of humanity. I get that. Um, But my initial viewing, it just left me a little cold in this regard. Um, And I already mentioned the character of the president, but the other issue I had with this film, what were the other characters? I like the fact that we actually get a focus on three main protagonists. Sometimes these films can be a little bogged down in too many characters. I'm like, just let's just stick to a couple characters. And this film does that. However, I I can't quite put my finger on it, Alex. Um, I didn't have as much fun though with these characters as I did in the first three Heisei films. To be honest, I'm not sure why. Do you feel the same, Alex, or did you enjoy these human characters? Um, I enjoyed them overall, but I think maybe my problem might be your problem too. Uh, but maybe maybe we haven't seen that yet. But I do think that these are the weakest characters of the Heisei era uh, overall. Mostly, I think it's due to a lack of screen time. Yeah, we've only got three characters, but they're abandoned after after Mothra holds herself up in that cocoon, and that's like. We still have 40 minutes left of the movie. But I think that the fact that the first half, or maybe a little bit more than the first half of the film, made me really like these three characters is pretty impressive. I mean, I liked Takuyu, Masako, and Kenji, each for different reasons. Their personalities were very distinct, but they meshed well together. And I was kind of let down because of the inconsistent tone regarding all of them. It's almost like the Return of Godzilla vibes, almost, where the first port. Now, the Return of Godzilla, it's only like the first 10, 15 minutes feel like a horror movie. But this one, the first, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes feel like a, a Indiana Jones film. And then suddenly we've got this inconsistent tone that takes us from the jungle to the city and loses a lot of the charm that had that was like grabbing me during that first portion. When we transition to the city, I feel like we kind of lose track of our characters. And then once the monster action starts, they're completely abandoned. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm sympathetic towards that idea, Alex. And, and just to be clear, I don't think there's anything wrong with having multiple tones in a film. Right. But it's about the balance of these tones um, and finding the right tone or the tone serving the purpose of the film. It's almost as if we dropped that comedic element, um, when we didn't need to, right. It could have livened things up in the second half of the film. Um, your reference to the return of Godzilla made me actually think about Godzilla raids again. Um, and when I'm thinking about this film, for some reason, Godzilla raids again Hmm. comes into my mind because I think it's kind of the reverse of this film where we get like a serious kind of 
first hour and then we get some like random comedic bits yeah yeah and then we get that serious ending again and i'm just not sure if those quick switches in tone always work in godzilla raids again and i think we're kind of getting the same thing here um one thing i was confused about though alex was why mothra decided to team up with batra and why batra decided to go along with it we mentioned they were forever foes who became forever friends so you know what, Alex? My theory is that, you know, Mothra, she just came on really strong, and Batra, being the male, just couldn't resist. I, I actually think that's a solid and definitely an accurate interpretation of what happened. And I don't see any problem with that. And I don't think the Godzilla fan base will have any problem with it either, Eric. Uh, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I, I, do, I do think it was a little odd that it turns out Batra was going to save the planet when it was made out that yeah. he was there to destroy, like, a lot of what Mothra stood for. So I guess maybe he didn't want to destroy everything. He just maybe wanted to wipe out what what Batra considers evil. Well, I did think Mothra once again just looked great. Uh, I thought, I mean, who couldn't resist is what I'm saying now. Yeah, I know. Get a room. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alex. You know what it's time for now? I'm ready for Monster Monsterpiece <laughs> Theater. <laughs> That was good, Alex. Do that again. <laughs> I don't know if I'll be able to. Monsterpiece Theater. That's pretty good. So we did this a couple of weeks ago. And we first off, need to congratulate our winner, Michael H. He is the moderator and manager of the Kaiju Groupie Twitter and Facebook pages. Thanks for participating, Michael. It was incredible how fast he, he got that. Um, <laughs> I, I sent you a screenshot of the email. Yeah. And it was just like... As soon as our episode was posted, it felt like he had responded. <laughs> it was pretty quick. Um, and so he won the uh, one-of-a-kind piece of artwork. Uh, it's in the mail to him right now. Uh, <laughs> he won this artwork that Theo created. Um, and so we're doing the same thing this week, Alex. But for this one, we're going to do it a little bit differently. We're going to randomize. Uh, so if you, if you, even if you're like a week uh, out, we're going to give you a week you're just listening to this a week after, send us your response. And we're going to do a random drawing a week after for anyone that gets the right answer. And man, Alex, the prize this week, let me tell you, <laughs> one of a kind, Monsterpiece artwork, King Ghidorah. It's, man, it's pretty epic. I, I've, I've just got to say. So quick rundown on the rules again. We have a, a piece of dialogue here that we're going to do from one of the films that we've covered before in the podcast. Um, we've, we've changed names. We've changed maybe a couple locations. We didn't want to make this one too easy. Last week was a little easy. It was Ghidorah, the three headed monster. And the giveaway was yeah. pretty simple, Alex, right? Yeah, the meteor. Yeah, exactly. This one I don't think has quite the same giveaway, but I do think there are some clues that will lead you to the correct answer. And Alex, you get to play, Alexa, you get you get to play Alexa. Oh, okay. The uh, female in this scene. I'm glad I get to be a female again. I'm excited about this. <laughs> I, I figured you would be. That's why I gave you the role. All right. So you actually will start us off. All right. Are you I'm, ready? I'm I'm just trying to get context. I'm bringing a couple headlines ahead. Okay. Because I was going to okay. be very dramatic, but now I don't have to be, and now I can just act right here. Right. Okay. <clears throat> All right. You ready? <clears throat> and. Action. Eric, where are you? 
I'm at the control station, Alexa. Oh, my. I just landed a while ago. Really? I was worried about you being there. Well, look at you. I told you I would be all right. Yeah, I know I shouldn't worry about you. I'm more concerned about Godzilla and the others. Well... The truth is, I like the monsters we have. Really? Just kidding. But you never know out there. End scene. (laughs) So you think you know what this is, Alex? I do. I think I know what it is. All right. You have to let me know. It's missing the one line that would sell it for me. But yeah. Yeah. I I took out a couple I took out a couple things. Yeah. I see that. So (laughs) if you know the correct answer, you know the movie that we just uh, massacred. <laughs> Please send us an email and let us know mvmpod at gmail.com. You will get a one-of-a-kind monster piece artwork. Oh, yeah. And that brings us to our awards. Alex, who is your coolest character? Takuya Fujita or Takuya Fajita, as I kept calling him. Uh, <laughs> he is he, he's just Indiana Jones in that first half of the movie with a little more like slapstick behavior but I really liked all the scenes with him especially like the bridge scene that really made me really enjoy this movie until <laughs> I realized that we're never going back to the, the, the stuff that I really liked a lot uh, but I really enjoyed him and his character just has a lot of interesting depth like I said earlier he flip flops on whether he's good or bad he's never evil but he does, he's morally gray for a lot of the movie where he just seems to be able to flip a switch, I guess, until his daughter tells him how bad of, that she doesn't want a thief for a dad, which is a pretty poignant, poignant moment. And I, I would imagine if my kid said something like that, to be like, oh man, you cut me deep. And then I'd probably be with her. <laughs> but I think he's a good character though. Yeah. My character was also not a black and white character, Alex. It was... Uh, They're mostly Asian in this film, Eric. Yeah. They're mostly <laughs> <is> Japanese. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my character was Kenji Ando, uh, played by Takahiro Murata. Um, he's the company man I mentioned from before from the Marutomo company. And here's the deal, Alex. As I told you, I'm not sold on many of the characters here. So this was the best I could do. It wasn't too much though, but I'm glad that he evol- evolves into a character that we can cheer for because he kind of goes on a journey um, similar to Takuya. He starts off as a surprising businessman who enjoys the outdoor lifestyle, but then he turns his back on that at the prospect of losing the Mothra egg, right? Mm-hmm. He freaks out that his company is going to like get onto him, that he's going to lose his company money until eventually he does end up turning his back on the Maritomo company and the president. Um, so I liked his journey. He was one of those characters too, Alex, that was good and then bad and then good again. Um, <laughs> so I enjoyed that. Yeah. What about your most memorable line? Oh no, I forgot to write one, but I know what it is. That's how good it was. Okay. So it was that bridge scene that I mentioned where my favorite character, Takuya says that like, it's going to be able to take all their weight. And then almost immediately, yes. as soon as the three of them get on the bridge, it snaps in half, and his uh, ex-wife <laughs> says that he, she just like exclaims to him, "You said it would hold all of us," and they're they're just there like having an argument while hanging on a bridge, which is like perfect for a recently divorced couple. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no. part of that humor worked for me, I thought, but it was no, it was a uh, 
his line, he said, this is the thing you don't say to your ex-wife. He said, Masako, did you gain weight? <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Yeah, yeah. But that, that actually wasn't my favorite jab that they had at each other. So my most memorable line was a jab, but it came a little bit before. And it was from uh, Masako, his ex-wife. And she tells him, um, they offer him the job of going to Infant Island. But then she tells him, he, he kind of backs away from it. And she tells him, you probably couldn't finish the job anyway. Right? <laughs> um, which is, is really just a play on... on him being a father as well. Like he's yeah. kind of turned his back on, on his family, but it was a good jab. It was a good jab. Uh, <laughs> at him for sure. Um, what about you? Can't believe that acting award, Alex. Uh, I'm actually going to go with your coolest character. Uh, Takahiro Murata as Kinji. He really sells the greedy, albeit goofy businessman. Like he doesn't sell as well as taco from God, from King Kong versus Godzilla. But that scene that you mentioned earlier with the clock waking him up in the wilderness is is like really funny and he really sells it. And I just like, honestly, I just kind of like the idea of like, when have you ever seen someone wake up with an alarm clock in the jungle in a movie? It's just like, <laughs> it's completely <laughs> ludicrous. Yeah. But also like, I, I, I really liked it. And he, he just sells the role for me completely. Yeah, totally. Um, I can't believe the acting award. I looked this guy up and I, I could not, figure out who the specific actor was um if one of our listeners knows the actor this is a perfect thing to tell us we got it wrong on send us an email let us know because i want to know as well but he's one of the staffers on the environmental board um but there's this one moment that i particularly like of him and it's also a nice directing moment the camera cuts distinctly to his face looking directly at the camera um as the monsters start to destroy uh, <laughs> Japan. And he says, what is happening to the earth? <laughs> right? He does. And, and I, he has several other moments like that that are just kind of these humorous asides that I really appreciated. I thought that was a good uh, and, and humorous moment that I appreciated. Yeah. No, he, 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 he was funny. And I believe he's in some of the previous other movies. I don't know if he's in the same character or not, but. Yeah, yeah. I, I looked for him, and I found a couple other characters um, that weren't him. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, I was trying my best to find him. So please email me. Let me know the actor. Um, and I will give him full credit for his "Can't Believe That" acting award. He may have passed. He may have passed at this point, but I want to make sure he gets the credit. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We'll give him a shout out the next episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about your standout effect award? So as soon as I saw that miniature Ferris wheel, Alex, yeah. I knew it was going to become my standout effect. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> that thing was built to be destroyed. Yeah, you've always been a big Ferris wheel fan. Always, yeah. <laughs> Love Ferris wheels, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was going to be destroyed in some way, shape, or form. I just didn't know how. Um and it turns out it gets just dropped on Godzilla's <laughs> head by Batra. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Not what I expected. I expected, you know, someone to get knocked into it just to break. But I liked how they used it. Um, but I just wanted to use that Ferris wheel to give a shout out to the miniature effects in this film as a whole. I thought it was pretty impressive. Yeah. All the miniature work that they did. Yeah. They were pretty stellar once again. Uh, you know, I kept reading about how King Ghidorah had this giant budget and then, the budget kind of diminishes a little bit after King Ghidorah, but 
you wouldn't have thought about looking at this movie. I mean, those miniatures are awesome. And there's a lot of them, especially when the larvae are crawling through the city. They yeah, look really I mean, good. But actually, my my award has nothing to do with kaiju, which is maybe maybe a first. I'm not sure if it is or not. But I actually really like the escape scene during the uh, the very beginning of the film with the crumbling ancient tomb. I really like yeah. the way that they were making the stairs fall as he climbed it. And like, I really, I just like that the way they fell one by one as everything crumbled around them. And like always, at least right now, they're all practical effects. And so I was really impressed with how they did it. It was pretty cool. Definitely. What about your, oh, that's a good shot award, Alex? Yeah, mine, mine has to be at the, uh, the 52 minute mark, which is where Mothra is actually swimming and the Navy and all their battleships are firing everything they have at uh, larva Mothra. Larva, I'll try to say that real fast. Uh, larva Mothra. And it's this like overhead shot that makes all the miniatures look like perfect. All these like, na- all the Navy and the ships, they all, they all look legit. And it also, sh- as we tend to do on this show, it also really heightens the scale of turd Mothra. Like th- th- <laughs> this is a turd in a really big pool and dwarfs these other ships. And also the, something that really adds to the shot is the amount of missiles and smoke that are in the scene. They really, they really make it feel like this battle trying to defend off this foe that you just, you're not going to be able to stop. It's just a really cool moment. Yeah, that that's definitely a good one. My, my initial choice, I, I changed my choice. So I'm cheating here. I'm going to talk about two real quick, Alex. Mm-hmm. Um, my initial choice <laughs> was, um, when we see Mothra in the shipyard with the helicopters at the end of the film, um, it reminded me of my favorite shot from the 1964 film where Mothra is being praised by the Islanders. Um, but here we don't have the Islanders probably for a good reason, <laughs> but they're replaced yeah. by these more modern day worshipers. And it was a really cool scene. Once again, emphasizing that scale. But as I was re-watching parts of this film, Alex, I, I actually found a shot that I liked more. And it happens at about the 27-minute mark. And it's the environmental group. They react to seeing movement in the water, and they ask if it's Godzilla. It's actually Batra, right? But they ask if it's Godzilla. Um, the camera cuts away from them watching the screen to it's a reverse shot of the screen kind of watching them and it pans down a little bit. It's like we get in the perspective of the screen as we see there's five people in the shot. We see all five people watching as the camera pans down and it pans down. It gets to this point where there's this little figure in the forefront of the screen, Alex. And it was hidden for me the first time by the subtitles, but it's Godzilla facing them right so godzilla was on the forefront of their minds when they're asking (laughs) if this is godzilla and i thought that was a nice little touch it was an awesome frame shot that was my oh that's a good shot award yeah yeah that that was good i did notice that they had a a godzilla toy just sitting around which i noticed also in the return of godzilla as well Little Godzilla toys are kind of laying about in the background sometimes, which is kind of interesting. It is interesting considering the Heisei era kind of removes the hero element from Godzilla. You're like, why is, why are there, well, I guess there, there probably still would be. We have toys of tanks and toys of 
Yeah. You know, everything. So that makes sense. Hmm. What about your rating and ranking, Alex? You want to go first on this one? Yeah. So I actually think this one's kind of a mixed bag. And while I think the final battle is actually a big improvement over Mothra vs. Godzilla, I think the tech for a flying air battle air to ground battle i don't think it's quite doable yet I'm, I'm still not sold on the two flying monsters fighting godzilla i feel like when they're when they interact with him that he would be able to grab him and crush him and then uh, i don't know it's just it just feels odd and there's like weird green screen moments where they're trying to do more sophisticated special effects but they just don't look good they really don't they should have just stuck to doing the puppets but that's really kind of nitpicking i i think batra is an Awesome addition to Godzilla's like Rogues Gallery and Mathra and Mathra, good lord, that <laughs> and Mothra's design, uh, especially for adult Mothra, is top notch. And I also like the idea of this like yin and yang Mothra, where one's kind of evil and one's well definitely good. But I think they're pretty cool and they work together really well. However, the the film isn't it's not really cohesive at all. The first half of the movie feels like a completely different film than the second half. And I was actually sad to see the first half go away. Uh, you know, seeing the city after getting a taste for the jungle again didn't really do it for me. It was a nice change to be in that jungle again. It kind of like that that first taste of uh, Ibra, Horror of the Deep for us. Mm-hmm. We really enjoyed that new scenery. And I think all the characters really worked, but I just wish they were all they're in all of the movie not just the first half so i'm gonna have to give this one a, a six out of ten nice. oh no well, three stars three stars yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly man now i'm i at this point i'm just gonna start rating them out of 10 i guess <laughs> but for me i can get on board with an adventure film um i as i as you said i really enjoyed ebra of the deep and I, I even came to appreciate some of the island elements of son of godzilla but unfortunately in this film the adventure slash comedic aspect that we came to enjoy in the show era it eventually fades into more of the same and i would say a less inspired repeat of mothra versus godzilla definitely akawa definitely has talent as a director make no mistake there were a couple of shots here that really stood out and i mentioned a couple of them i could have also chosen um one shot, an overhead shot from the ship where it reminded me of a shot from uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's The Master. Uh, <laughs> I was like, yeah, Paul Thomas Anderson <laughs> was inspired by Godzilla vs. Mothra. I like that idea. <laughs> but yeah, I did too. But unfortunately, I didn't see a coherence in the vision of the film. I thought this one it had a chance to build off the spiritual aspects that we saw in Mothra vs. Godzilla. Uh, but ultimately wades into those waters and makes them more murky than before. The monster action, especially Larva Batra, is great. But the human element, despite the comedic elements, they felt less human and more calculated um, than the characters we received in the first three Heisei films. So that may be a little harsh to it because there were some aspects that I enjoyed. I enjoyed the first... I, yeah, I enjoyed the first 30 minutes. I enjoyed... The battle at the end, there were just a couple decisions with the human characters that let me down a little bit. So with that said, I'm going to give this one a 2.5 out of 5, Alex. 
I think it's a a good a good score. Two point five stars. Yes, which which actually <laughs> does put it at the the bottom of my Heisei era list currently. Yeah, so we'll it's see. at the bottom of mine as um, well. We will see where that stands. But Alex, next week we have a new film. What are we watching next week? Where can we watch it? And do you have a question prepared for us? Yes. So next week we are watching Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla 2, which <laughs> for those that don't know already is an odd title because this has nothing to do with Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. It's yeah. just the second movie to have that title. <laughs> it's not even the second Mechagodzilla movie. So it's just completely yeah. off the wall and bizarre. But you can watch it. This is one of the easiest ones. You can watch it on Amazon. You can rent it or buy it on Amazon. You can rent it or buy it on iTunes. You can rent it or buy it on Google. And you can rent it or buy it on Vudu. So lots of options this time, which is nice. Nice. And I do have a question for you. All right. Are you ready? You ready for this? (laughs) When When Mechagodzilla returns, does Godzilla feel the burns? That's a good one. All right. right. So here's my question for Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla 2. I've got bars this time, Alex. Are you ready? Oh, I almost. (laughs) Okay, yeah, go ahead. With the pedal to the metal, does the Heisei kettle start to settle? (laughs) Oh, my God. I'll drop a beat for you next time, Eric. There you go. <laughs> oh, oh man. man, are these just going to get so elaborate that we're eventually just writing songs for movies? Eventually, <laughs> this podcast is turning into our first rap album. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a good idea. Oh. But as always, Alex, you can follow us uh, at MVM underscore Pod on Twitter. We have our individual Letterboxd accounts at Mr. Eric Neely and at Al Cornet. Email us feedback. We love to hear from listeners. MVMPod at gmail.com. Until next week, though. Try to stay stay alive. alive. Man, this is going to need a lot of editing this week, Alex. Peace out, everybody. Bye. We didn't even mention we might have a guest. Pretty funny. Oh man. Um, let me um tell my baby good night and then I will and by baby I mean Well I mean, um, we're not done recording yet. You can tell me after we record. Tell you after we record? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'll be right back. Yeah. Alright. Have you ever played a brass instrument? I used to play trombone. For like Half a year in elementary school. And then I didn't tell my parents about the recital because I, I was embarrassed about it because I didn't want to play the instrument. Like I played it once and then, uh, my, I wouldn't be, my parents wouldn't let me quit, which is probably a good trait. But yeah, I didn't tell them about the recital and they still hold it over my head. That was like 20 years ago. So yeah, there's a lesson in there somewhere. But 
I never figured it out. <laughs>